Welcome to Celebrate Poe, Episode 225, Poe Review 1. Originally, I called this episode Catch-Up, but I later decided that a better title might be Poe Review 1, and the next episode will be called Poe Review 2. And later throughout this podcast, I will have several episodes called Poe Review 3, Poe Review 4, Poe Review 5. You get the idea. Uh, the purpose of such ideas is to keep you up to date regarding the, this podcast and the life of America's Shakespeare. Celebrate Poe has largely dealt with the first half of Poe's life, for approximately 200 episodes. So before this podcast begins a deep dive into the second portion of Poe's life, I'd like to go through the fascinating first half of the writer's existence with the ghost of Mr. Poe. Well, hello, Mr. Poe. Greetings, Mr. Bartley. Uh, first, I'd like to start with your ancestors, specifically your great-grandfather and grandfather. I believe the latter was to play an important role in the Revolutionary War. Uh, could you tell us about them? Yes, I, I most highly welcome the opportunity. Now, you must remember this was a time when we especially respected the role of our ancestors. My great-grandfather was Mr. John Poe. During the 17th century, John Poe and his wife immigrated to America and settled in Pennsylvania. Their son, David Poe, was my grandfather. Even though David held the rank of major in the Revolutionary War, he was affectionately referred to as General David Poe Sr., uh, he was definitely a strong and decisive man. You see, General David Poe firmly believed in the cause of the colony's independence from England. He lived in Baltimore and donated a sum of 40000 to the struggle. I believe that would uh, be the equivalent today of almost half a million dollars. My, my grandfather's generosity was greatly appreciated and most needed by the struggling troops. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Bartley, am I saying too much? No, Mr. Poe, please go on. Well, when General Lafayette toured the United States in 1824, he visited Baltimore to inquire about General Poe. General Lafayette's heart still overflowed with gratitude for my grandfather's financial assistance during the Revolutionary War. My grandfather's widow informed General Lafayette that unfortunately her husband had passed away eight years ago. General Lafayette then visited David Sr.'s grave to pay his deepest respects. Well, can you tell us about David Poe's children? Certainly, Mr. Bartley. David Sr. and his wife, Elizabeth Carnes, had six children, several named after heroes of the American Revolution, John Hancock, Hancock William, George Washington, and Samuel, reminiscent of Adams. And then, of course, there was my father, David Poe Jr., well, Mr. Poe, would you tell us about your father? 
Certainly, Mr. Bartley. David Poe Sr. planned for his son, David Poe Jr., to become a lawyer. But my father desired to become an actor, and eventually the attractions of the stage won out. You can imagine how my grandfather became livid when my father joined the thespian club in Baltimore to act full-time. You see, acting was not considered a profitable or respectable profession. My father was sent to his uncle's house in Augusta, Georgia. He soon left Augusta to live in Charleston, South Carolina, then uh, a theatrical center. My father thought that by living in Charleston, he would have far more theatrical opportunities. Well, Mr. Poe, I can certainly see how that uh, might be understandable. Uh, Until very recently, for example, if a person is seriously interested in the theater, uh, that person would often gravitate towards New York City because of its reputation as a theatrical center. Uh, A a passable analogy, Mr. Bartley. Well, Mr. Poe, tell us about your mother's descendants. Certainly, Mr. Bartley. My dearest mother was the daughter of two actors, Henry Arnold and Elizabeth Smith, both of whom appeared at Covent Garden in London, in addition to other theatre towns in England. Uh, They were married in 1784, and their only child, Eliza, was born two years later. Now, one must understand that the theater meant everything to my grandmother as well as as to her young daughter. To Elizabeth and Eliza, the stage was their work, their play, how they spent their time and the center of their existences. I would like to think that my grandmother Elizabeth, and especially my mother Eliza, gave me their innate creativity. So, Mr. Poe, at this time, were your mother and grandmother still in England? Uh, Yes, but when my mother's father died, uh, and his name was Henry, when he died in 1793, uh, my grandmother and mother supported themselves the only way they knew how. They continued to perform on stage in England. Unfortunately, the prospect of earning sufficient wages became more and more difficult they decided that there would be more opportunities in America and resolved to become actresses in what was then a new nation. My grandfather and mother had no I, my grandmother and, and mother had no idea what their future might bring. But in seventeen ninety five they set sail accompanied by a Mr. Charles Tubbs for the United States. Well, Mr. Poe, I guess the obvious question is, did they succeed in finding roles? Oh, Mr. Bartley, most scholars believe that just three months after my mother came to this country, she debuted on stage playing a character named Biddy Blair and the Foss by Mr. David Garrick, entitled Miss in Her Teens. Now, remember, this was a rather challenging role, and my mother was only nine years old at the time. She was praised by the Portland Herald. Quote, Miss Arnold in Miss Biddy exceeded all praise. Although a miss of only nine years old, 
Her powers as an actress will do credit to anyone of her sex of mature age. Unquote. And Mr. Bartley later that year, my grandmother Elizabeth married Mr. Charles Tubbs, a musician. They decided to join uh, with uh, a manager, Mr. Edgar, to form a theater troupe called the Charleston Comedians. Perhaps that manager served as the source for my name. Or perhaps I was named for the character of Edgar in Mr. William Shakespeare's King Lear, a play in which my mother received great acclaim in the role of Cordelia. Nevertheless, when my grandmother died, my grandmother died uh, when they were in North Carolina. Eliza did stay with the theater group. Uh, now, it was common in the early 1800s to travel from city to city. Theater owners had to constantly produce a variety of titles for an eager public, so my mother learned many, many roles. She was able to play hundreds of parts in a most impressive career. When she was 15, my mother married Mr. Charles Hopkins, but Mr. Hopkins died three years later, possibly of yellow fever. My dear mother was now an 18-year-old widow. Uh, well, Mr. Poe, this is where uh, you might say uh, you entered the picture. Uh, the year is 1809. In the United States, Thomas Jefferson was president of the USA, and Abraham Lincoln... Charles, Darwin, and the distinguished subject of this podcast were all born that same year. Yes, uh, Mr. Lincoln was born in Kentucky. Uh, Mr. Darwin was born on the same day in England, and I was born in Boston. Well, Mr. Poe, uh, could you tell us about your parents very briefly? Certainly, Mr. Bartley. I was the son of David and Elizabeth Arnold Poe, an actor and an actress, who had married in Richmond in April of 1806. At this time, the family is living in 33 Hollis Street. An older brother, William Henry Leonard Poe, had been born in 1807. Uh, during March of 1809, or as some of you might say, 1809, I was taken to Baltimore, where I remained with my paternal grandparents until September. And I, I would, would be definitely remiss if I did not mention that it was felt my father had difficulties with my mother's comparative success as an actress. I was still a child, but uh, July of eight. 1810 marked the final appearance of my parents on the New York stage. During July, David Poe left home, abandoning the family. My mother left New York and traveled to Richmond, accompanied by me. Uh, some, uh, some have said that my younger sister Rosalie was also in the picture, though uh, I was uh, far too young to remember. Uh, well, let's, Mr. Poe, let's move on to 1811. Uh, yes, uh, yes, Mr. Bartley, I was just two years old. Uh, during the early months of 1811, my mother appeared at various theaters in Charleston. I, I can imagine that this, uh, this would have been difficult for her as the sole support of the family. Certainly, Mr. Bartley, 
And to make matters worse, uh, she became very, very ill. In fact, there was a benefit performance for my mother on Monday, April the 29th. Then in July, my mother returned to Norfolk where she was reported to be in failing health and destitute. The following month, she returned to Richmond where she met Mrs. Frances Keeling Allen. Frances's husband, John, was a Scottish tobacco merchant who was then living uh, with the family on the northeast corner of Main and 13th Streets. And on October the 11th, a Friday, my mother made her last appearance on the theatrical stage. On the 25th of November, the Richmond Enquirer published an appeal for my mother addressed to the kind-hearted citizens of the citizen of the city. Uh, but on December the 8th, she passed away. Well, well, what happened to you and your or your sister Rosalie? Uh, I was adopted by Frances Keeling Allen, and Rosalie was adopted by Mrs. William McKenzie, the wife of one of John Allen's friends. Well, uh, if you don't mind me asking, uh, where was your mother buried? Oh, my mother was buried at St. John's Episcopal Church in Richmond on December the 10th, and I was baptized the following day. The Allens were a rather influential family in Richmond. Uh, yes, I understand that they were. Uh, let me briefly address my life during 1812. I was still what you might call a toddler living with the Allens. I certainly did not know it at the time, but Mr. Charles Dickens was born across the Atlantic Ocean in 1812. I was later to review some of his works, and many have said that the raven in his novel Barnaby Rudge was an inspiration for my poem, The Raven. In any case, I was to greatly admire the works of Mr. Dickens. Well, Mr. Poe, what other writers influenced your works? Ah, uh, many writers have influenced my works, but I must address one who published a work by the name of the Gioia in 1813 when I was just four years old none other than Lord Byron in England. Uh, may, may I expand my comments regarding the great Lord Byron? Well, certainly, Mr. Poe. Uh, you see, the Gioi is a, a work of art that is notable for its inclusion of the theme of vampires and vampirism. After telling how uh, the, the Gioi killed Hassan, the Ottoman narrator predicts that in punishment for his crime, the Yeora will be condemned to become a vampire after his death and kill his own family by sucking their blood. Uh, yes, to his own frightful torment as well as theirs. Byron became acquainted with the concept of vampires while on his grand tour. Uh, may I articulate his vivid description of the vampire very briefly? Well, certainly, Mr. Poe. But first on earth as vampire sent, thy course shall from its tomb be rent. Then ghastly hant thy native place, and suck the blood of all thy race. There from thy daughter, sister, wife, at midnight drain the steam of life. 
And Mr. Botley, I found it most exciting that the association of Byron with vampires was to continue in 1819 with the publication of The Vampire by John William Polidori, which was inspired by an unfinished story by Byron. Polidori had previously worked as Byron's doctor, uh, and the two parted on, on, well, what, what one might call less than good terms. Much to Byron's annoyance, the vampire was widely attributed to him, and even included in the third volume of Byron's works by popular demand. Polidori is thought to have encouraged this, seeing how it increased sales considerably. Lord Ruthven was the first portrayal of the vampire as a debauched aristocrat. Later in what I feel is one of my finest stories, some critics have said that I also wrote about vampires and the fall of the House of Usher. Uh, but, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, yes, Mr. Poe, let's continue with 1814. Ah, yes, I was five years old in 1814, a rather happy child, and quite aware that the War of 1812 was going on uh, to, some, uh, to some sources. In fact, in 1814, British forces burnt Washington, D.C. during the, the previously mentioned conflict. I know that Fanny Allen uh, was somewhat worried that the war might affect Richmond, but this was never to occur. Oh, oh yes, Mr. Bartley, early in the year of 1815, I attended the boys' school of William Ewing in Richmond. And later that year, on Saturday, June the 17th, I will never forget it, I aboarded the Zofa with my family for England. And I must admit that the voyage was somewhat rough, but the ship arrived in Liverpool. Liverpool, Liverpool because my father had business to contract there. And he, he, he transacted his business in England. Then we went to Green Greenock, Scotland. Now, when was this, Mr. Poe? Oh, oh this was uh, July the 28th. So a voyage across the Atlantic required over a month. We first arrived in Liverpool, and then we went, we went to Greenock, Scotland. And then during that summer, I attended Kirkgate School at Irvine, a few miles from Greenock. While at Irvine, my family lived with John Allen's sister Mary at Bridgegate House. James Galt, a fellow pupil, described me as very mature for his age, full of old-fashioned talk, filled with self-reliance, and absolutely devoid of fear. Well, thank you, Mr. Pope, for your thoroughness. Uh, the sights and sounds of the voyage must have made quite an impression on you. Oh, yes, the, the entire time spent across the ocean was a major influence on my life. Obviously, Mr. Poe. Early in October, the family traveled to England, stopping at Newcastle and Sheffield in, and Sheffield in route. Then on the 7th of October, we moved to London, staying a most, uh, at an agreeable, a most agreeable establishment by the, by the name of Blake's Hotel. 
Later, my family moved to 47 Southampton Row in Russell Square. And on 7th of December, I returned to Irvine, Scotland, and resumed my education. So, Mr. Poe, when did you start uh, attending school in England? Ah, Mr. Bartley, that would have been the following year, in 1816, when I was seven years old. That was when my family returned to London, where I attended Mrs. Uh, Dubourg's boarding school at 246 Sloan Street, Chelsea. Known as Master Allen, I studied writing, spelling, geography, the church catechism, and English history. Well, Mr. Poe, what are some of your observations regarding 1817? Ah, Mr. Bartley, uh, that was a wonderful period of my life. That summer, John Allen moved to 39 Southampton Road. We lived very near uh, the recently built British Museum. I can imagine that its attractions especially fascinated you. Oh, yes, and I was entered at the Manor House School. This was in Stoke, Newington, and was an academy, an academy for young gentlemen. Uh, the school, by the way, stood on the northeast corner of Church Street and Edwards Lane, and I later described the school in my short story, William Wilson. The school was run by the Reverend John Bransby, who described me as, quote, intelligent, wayful, and willful. Well, Mr. Poe, uh, could you tell us just a little bit about the short story, William Wilson? Certainly, Mr. Bartley. Um, William Wilson is a short story that was first published in 1839. The protagonist, William Wilson, meets another boy in his school who has the same name and roughly the same appearance, and who was even born the same date as William. The boy also dresses like William, walks like him, but can only speak in a whisper. He begins to give advice to William of an unspecified nature, which he refuses to obey, resenting the boy's arrogance. One night, he steals into the, into the other William's bedroom and recoils in horror at the boy's face, which now resembles his own. And as for the rest of the story, well, I commend you to read the story for yourself. Ah, but Mr. Poe, to get back to the school itself, uh, the school that you attended. Uh, yes, the school was located at Stoke Newington, uh, then what might then what we might currently uh, call a suburb. It was located approximately four or six kilometers, four miles or six kilometers for London from London. So uh, it might appear that life was going very well for your family. Actually, the year 1817 was a poor year for my father's business. Prices fluctuated, and there was heavy taxation with widespread unemployment. Well, could you tell us more about your experiences at Stoke Newington? For example, did you have a favorite subject? Oh, yes, I excelled at history and literature. And I must point out that on September the 28th, uh, John Allen wrote to his uncle, Edgar is growing wonderfully and enjoys a good reputation as both able and willing to receive instruction. Well, Mr. Poe, 
That certainly does uh, sound, those certainly are nice words, but I think we, we better stop there uh, for now. Uh, I appreciate your efforts in going through your life and accomplishments from a chronological standpoint. And I hope that Celebrate Poe can get up to the halfway point in the story of your illustrious life within the next few weeks. Well, thank you, Mr. Botley, and I do feel that is a most laudable goal. Join Celebrate Poe for episode 226 as we continue a chronological look at the first half of Edgar Allan Poe's life. Sources include Edgar Allan Poe, a critical biography by author Hobson Quinn, The Poe Log, a documentary life of Edgar Allan Poe by Dwight R. Thomas and David K. Jackson, and The Life of Edgar Allan Poe by Eugene L. Didier. Thank you for listening to Celebrate Poe.